On today's show, we're going to do a deep dive into Indiana's Grace Berger and Duke Celeste Taylor in Episode 6 of our 2023 WBA Draft Prospect Profile Series. If you listen to Apple or Spotify, I highly recommend filming this over to YouTube to see the detailed analysis and video footage that come with their game. Multiple basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome. You welcome us basketball. My name is Sunder Cruz and I'm a Saturday host covering the WBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Lockdown Basketball your first listen every day. Remember, Lockdown Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode, I'm joined by M. Adler. Um, M is VR of South Storm and heads our written coverage of the WBA draft at thenexthoops.com. So today's discussion, we will start off with one of the best players in the country on one of the best teams, Grace Berger. Just give me the rundown on her stat profile first. Yeah, so Grace Berger, um, I guess this is technically statistic. She will be an All-American of some sort, maybe an honorable mention, because she will be on my second ballot, or my second team All-American on my ballot. Uh, But let's get into some real actual numbers here, beyond just me saying she's good. This year, for her hoop stats, she is in the 100th percentile in assists per game and the 99th percentile in assists to turnover ratio. Uh, she, offensively, she has taken. She's only taken uh, just over one three-point attempt a game, right around her career average, and is actually lowing, is actually running her lowest free throw attempt rate since her freshman year. But CBB Analytics still has her true shooting percentage in the 84th percentile among guards because she is just absolute money from the mid-range. For her career, she's shooting 41.7% on mid-range twos, and this year is at an excellent 43.5% on dribble jumpers. That being said, for CPB Analytics, again, the percent of her shots that come from the mid-range is 27 percentage points above national average for a guard, while her rim rate is 8.5 points lower, and that's been about the case every year. On the bright side, CPBA and Synergy both say she's a very good finisher, the latter rating her right around an average of the 70-something percentile. On top of that, she's rated out as an excellent ISO defender in recent years to go along with demonstrably plus help defense. So with Berger, she is one of the oldest players in this class. So she has the experience. And when we're talking about her, probably her best offensive skill outside of the mid-range shooting is how she can operate with the ball in her hands. Usually at a ball screen, she's makes a lot of good decisions with the ball. And I really like her passing. I think that's the, one of the most fun things I'll see with her, especially on the short roll. Do you agree like with her passing ability? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Grace Berger is a point guard, true and true. Mm-hmm. There was, last year when it came to point guard prospects, you had, and I could remember, I could be forgetting someone, but off the top of my head, it was uh, Veronica Burton was clear first rounder. Beyond that, you know, in terms of like actual quote, quote, point guards, like people who weren't going to play the two, it was like a huge drop off to like Destiny Henderson and Kayla Pointer. And there are still some folks, um, or there were at the time, there still are, um, that, that I may disagree with, shout out to the Double Down WNBA podcast, who see Henny as more of a two guard than a one guard. But but, but Henny's real strength as as a point guard was being able to control tempo and pace and direct the offense in, you know, that sort of like coach on the court kind of way. And with Berger, 
it's not just about the agent experience with her. She's had that ability for years and just the smoothness, the smoothness with which she can get um, an offense rolling in the half court, the way she can keep tempo up or slow it down and really find mismatches, both her own and teammates. It's, it's really impressive. It's really hard to find someone who is going to keep an offense as steady and consistent just in terms of the, the intelligent way it's run than Burger. So with her offensive ability outside of the passing, the three-point shot, um, it's taken um, strides. But for me, when I'm looking at, I'm looking at her three-point shot, it's extremely different from her actual regular jumper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to – look, she's worked a lot on mm-hmm. increasing her range. And to her credit, she's shooting – over 40% from three this year. But what that really means is she's hit 16 threes, which, look, teams kind of respect her up there because she's going to take them. Not really guarding her as a spot-up threat. On the bright side, she's a point guard who can hit jumpers. So we're not talking about a, we're not talking about a Gabby Williams problem here. We're not talking about, like, teams literally will not respect her unless you get the ball in her hands. It's just that you know, she needs to keep herself moving. She needs to be active cutting. She needs to be active screening as well to make up for the lack of respect from beyond the arc. And to her credit, she does. You know, I think she does. a. It, it, it's hard to find things outside of volume shooting that she, or I guess just spacing in general. It's hard to find other things that she doesn't do really well in the half court. And just that enough is like warranting a first round selection, especially in this class where, you are looking for players that can like run a good pick and roll. Like we'll talk about another one next week, but whenever I'm watching Grace Berger in ball screens, her ability to pull up, rise up quickly. And she has the size advantage to where with some, we'll see with some, like, like you said, Destiny Henderson, she's five foot seven ish. Grace Berger is like, is it five eleven six foot? That is such a big advantage for a team having that big, big guard that, especially on the short roll passes or if she's going to like oh second side or if she's leading any any type of form of offense where she is making a decision out of it she has the height advantage to like oh overhead she has the advantage to like um she's got good center of gravity she can um spot on drive she's got good strength her she's extremely well rounded on offense and some people will like over um like undervalue some of the stuff she does just because like statistically it doesn't pop like as much you'll see because she's averaging like I don't, I don't know how many points she averaged in the season. Do you, do you know how many she's averaging raw numbers? Uh, I think it's like 12 and a half. Yeah. So like some people will see, oh, she's averaging 12 points. She's not averaging like 18, 19, but she's extremely well-rounded on offense. And there's a lot of value that comes with that for me. I think, no, absolutely for sure. And I think in terms of what you're saying about her size, you know, there's one thing when you have someone 5'11", 6 foot, like you said, like with Grace Berger, it's one thing to just have that size and be able to shoot over people. And this was, you know, sort of the thing with Caitlin Clark, her first two years, it's changed this year to her credit, um, extremely. But um, for her first couple of years, you know, she was six foot and the jumper was what it was. And people obviously had to respect her like out to half court, but also it, it, it wasn't that often with that teams would stick a five, eight defender on her and she would, you know, get physical and take him to the rim. She's done that more this year, but there are players who will have size and not use it to their advantage like that. On the other hand, Berger knows how big she is 
she's she's not just tall like like Caitlin Clark's a bit lanky she's tall but like Berger is strong she has a really strong base and you can especially see that on the defensive end how she defends how she defends at the point of attack and on drives but really offensively like if if there is someone smaller or weaker on her she will absolutely take them down under the under the hoop and make something happen down there you can you see this a lot in big 10 play especially when they were playing at like ohio state or michigan who both have like a variety of guards that they have to sort of switch uh in actions with and she is taking players who are even like 510 or 511 she's taking them down towards the hoop and beating them because she is quicker than she is either quicker or fat or stronger than pretty much most defenders that she's going to be dealing with and do you project her as like a starting level guard? Because I know she's outside of your lottery. So where are you on like that kind of thing? Like how you project her out to be? I think it's really delicate to be clear. And also I should, and also I should say before getting into that level, I will say like, you know, I mentioned that she's a great uh, ISO defender. At least she's, she's rated out as that. She's, she's a really, really good defender. Like, like, like one of the things about, her you know ability to toggle on offense both you know in terms of different roles on the ball but also being able to pass and then uh, you know space to the short corner sets your teammates operate like that is she adds a lot of value in terms of that same toggle ability and versatility on defense because she can legitimately guard one one through three because of how strong her base is and because she's really really good um at the point of attack just going she's great going over ball screens good going under ball screens um and she is really, really good at one pass away help and positioning. So I think, I think that gives her just a really strong floor as a prospect. I, I, I think in terms of being a starting caliber guard, it's it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a delicate package we're talking about here, because to make that work, aside from adding a three pointer, or, or adding really volume to the three pointer without sacrificing efficiency. She would basically have to be able to continue hitting mid-range shots exactly as she's hitting them now, and have basically no drop-off in efficiency. And you know, that's really tough to ask of a prospect just to be as good as you were in college, like at the same level of, of efficiency. So I, I I don't know that the ceiling is there for that in that, that aspect. It's certainly possible, and um, but the the real wrap on her development as a player over the past few years is she's gotten a lot more polished within within her skill set. And I think that bodes well for her ability to like make a roster and stick, but I don't think that necessarily bodes well for looking for massive upside here. So after the break, myself and M will dive into Duke's Celeste Taylor. Okay, so let's talk about Celeste Taylor um, for Duke. She was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year this season. She is one of the finalists to be a National Defense Player of the Year winner. She probably won't win it, but she is. Um, that's that's notoriety, especially because there's not many. I don't know how, if you have the list right here, but it's like it's like how many wing players? It's maybe her and Bree Beal, maybe. She is a damn good defender. Obviously, she's rated out on synergy at least quote unquote very good. On pick and roll defense, isolations, and off-screen actions over the past couple of years, basically all the stuff a guard wing defender has to deal with. Uh, across her four college seasons, here's where CBB Analytics has ranked her among guards in terms of steals and blocks per possession. The 92nd percentile, the 94th, the 92nd, the 97th. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a little ridiculous. You know what you're going to get out of her every year, and it's 
just an insane amount of deflections in every possible way. And that leads to a lot of transition offense. She's a really good uh, player in transition offense generally. And I, and that is very important because it makes up for, you know, some sort of plateauing on the offensive end, I'll say. Like her field goal percentage on her jumper overall, off the catch, off the dribble, everything improved every year from her freshman season in Austin through last year. But her catch and shoot numbers are down this year. And though her dribble jumper has improved, it's still not as high as you'd want it to be uh, to like even hit like break even efficiency. Like where Berger is solidly above, where Berger is solidly above sort of like the break even point for like where it's efficient enough to be taking mid range shots, Celeste is pretty solidly below it. Um, and like with Berger, uh, on the other hand, it's not an optimal shot distribution for Celeste. She's nearly six percentage points above average in mid-range attempt rate, eight points, and these are per CPP analytics, eight points lower in the paint and four percentage points lower at the rim. She's at least good at finishing from the paint, and she improved her rim finishing significantly this year from last, but she's been solidly below average on non-paint twos her entire collegiate career. On the bright side, she is about average in overall scoring efficiency, thanks to a decent percentage from three, and a decent ability to run pick and rolls and just stick within the flow of an offense. But if you are sort of weighing her overall skill set here, it's the defense first, uh, transition second, half-court offense third. So like you said, rundown with those kind of stats, what I've been trying to do um, is trying to contextualize current prospects to past prospects in terms of their stats. Cause it's easier to make a player comparison just off like the eye test and the viewpoints. These aren't player comparisons, but just trying to see how stat profiles align just because it can kind of get like bundled up a little bit with different prospects and everything. So the three players that I found to be like most similar to Celeste in terms of her, in terms of like her um, like rate stats was Dijanae Carrington um, Raquana Williams, and then also Brittany Sykes. Brittany Sykes is the closest player, I would say, of the three. And are these and are these players while they were in college or in the pros? These are their college. The, these are their college um, profiles, senior season. I, when it comes to Celeste on offense, how I kind of view her is to kind of stick in the league. I think she needs to be like at least like a fiftieth, fortieth, forty-fifth percentile shooter, because if she is an average shooter where she's like right now she's like 33 percent which is kind of around the WNBA average i believe it's like 34 34.6 percent is the league average mm-hmm. shooting percentage so yep. if she's an average offensive spacer and she's a good finisher just kind of cutting out those mid-range jumpers um as much as she can the defense i think is good enough to where she can be like a 15 to 22 point per minute minute player um whether that's like a starter like a low-end starter, or if she's like a good seventh, sixth player off the bench. That's kind of how I project her offensive profile. Um, yeah, pretty and I much. Think, yeah. No, I mean, from, from that aspect, like what, what you're hoping for here, if you're going to basically turn her into the best version of herself, is unless the unless the 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 um, three-part percentage is going to jump up somewhere near 36-37%, which is where it was earlier in the season this year, and then her past basically month, month and a half has just been incredibly cold. Unless you, you're going to do that, you basically just want to say, hey, don't take a jumper, just get to the rim on every possession. Because she has really good burst, and she has the ability to finish through contact, or at least draw it, but she, she finishes around contact more than she finishes through contact. And that's 
not the easiest thing to fix, but it is also fixable. But it, I don't want to say fixable, but it is like it is adjustable. If you can turn it to that, then you're basically we're basically talking about uh, like a like a like a slasher and D type type player here. Someone who just att basically attacks off the ball on offense, does your does your gritty work, which she's really good at that like little gritty stuff on offense. And on the defensive end, you because it's the lower usage offensive role um, in that aspect than it, than it is now at Duke, then you can run just run her wild uh, offensively. And then here's the thing. At? Well, I was gonna say, just here's the thing. You were talking about um, um, prospect comps statistically. CBB Analytics has a tool where you can uh, compare a player's like um, uh, it's not it's not the core four factors, but like they had CBB Analytics has like a core sixteen stats grouped into four mm -hmm. categories, and her closest comps are they're, they're not that close. It drops off pretty quickly, but like some notable names above like. Above like or like in her top twelve are Jerkayla Jordan, Maddie Westbell, JJ Quinterly, Jordan Horston, Isaiah James, Jordan King. These are not those are those are good players, but they I've just mentioned a bunch of players who are a lot stronger offensively and also a lot like notably taller than she is and better in the mid range. So, you know, the the general outline of her skill set as it currently stands, offensively specifically. It needs to be adjusted, but like again, the the level of defense we're talking about here is something where you can really afford to say, you know, we're taking an offensive project because the defense is just going to be that good. And where are you at on her passing ability? Uh, like, there's there's some times where she has moments, but other times she will force passes. Yeah, She'll I mean, I would solidly call it good enough. I guess. Mm -hmm. Um. Like, look, if you're if you're taking her to play, um, like the two as a as a combo guard next to a combo guard at the one, it's not going to work. Like, like you're not like playing her next to like, I don't know, Rachel Banham if you're the Lynx and you have the twelfth pick and you pick her to play the two next to Rachel Banham. That's not going to work. But if you take her and play her next to like a full true point guard, if you play her next to New York doesn't have a pick, but like if you play next to Courtney Vandersloot, if you play her, if you play her even next to you know someone like Ty Harris in Dallas, who is very much a point guard in tempo and playmaking, it'll work. If you play her in uh, Los Angeles next to the Jasmine Thomas, it'll work. You just you're not getting plus passing, but I but but I don't think you're getting significantly below average passing either. So let's kind of shift into the context of this class and some potential landing spots for her. So, like we said, she's probably going to need a good passing point guard to surround herself with and likely someone that can also shoot just because you don't want two kind of like subpar shooters in your backcourt, ideally. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully not. Ideally. So, like you said, around her range for me is like, Anywhere between seven to like fifteen, I think I could see her going in in this class. Maybe. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but like the way that this class is generally seen is you mm -hmm. have your clear number one, you have your clear number two. You generally have a group from like three to five ish, maybe three to six, depending on the team. And a couple teams have different names. Like you know, we. I I wouldn't be shocked to. I mentioned this a few pods ago, but I wouldn't be shocked to see certain players like 
I don't know, Maddie Segrist or someone go in the lottery, which is above where we would normally expect them to, uh, because a team has them in their like three to five range where the, the rest of the teams don't. But generally, locked on one, locked on two, a group of three to five, and then from like six to 18, it's just a bunch of names in any order. And Grace Berger probably ends up in that six to 18 range, probably on the much higher end. Celeste Taylor is probably also decently on the higher end of that, you know, like six to 18 range, but she could go anywhere in there. You know, I think, I think she kind of fits the profile of, of your usual kind of like late first, uh, early second round pick, certainly better than uh, that range last year. Um, I think, you know, when you're looking at um, who has picks in those range, it'd make a lot of sense for the fever. It makes sense for the dream. It makes sense for the storm. Uh, it makes sense for the wings. It makes sense for, you know, those are actually everyone who has the picks in that range because all the teams just basically those teams just repeat in the mid second round. I, I do think Atlanta's philosophy is like yeah. kind of Celeste Taylor. Yeah, she would just like yeah, I, I I mean she would basically fit in straight where um Erica Wheeler was last year. You know, if they played Erica Wheeler Erica Wheeler like a point guard, but like in terms of like skill set and the likely talent of production in a given role. It's probably going to end up not being significantly worse given Wheeler's efficiency last year or, or lack thereof. And then also there's Dallas. I don't think <laughs> Dallas would be great. I don't think Dallas would be great. We don't want anyone to go to Dallas to be clear. No, we don't. Um, another team, Los Angeles. I don't think they're going for a player like of this caliber. I mean, I think they're pretty. I mean, I think they're pretty much set with their roster as is at the moment. Yeah. But like. No, certainly they need more, they need more wing help than they need guard help. And Celeste Taylor can like defend wings, but like she's not going to be someone that could be mistaken for a front court player. Oh yeah, she, I don't think she has a strength to like. New. Yeah, no. She has that. She has that sort of. She has that sort of length where like her length is an extreme advantage against players of like the same height, but like the length doesn't allow her to play up a position. So let's shift our focus to uh, BYU transfer. She's now at Texas. Shaylee Gonzalez. So, yeah, the stat rundown for Shaylee, it's, it's pretty straightforward. There's, there's not as much, I think, that stands out um, as the other two we've talked about so far in Berger and Taylor. But, you know, it's a, it's a lot more film. But in terms of the stats that, that, that do I have here, the first thing that stands out when we're talking about a guard with her shot distribution is she's a career 31% shooter from three, which is not great. <laughs> but she's at 34.4% this year, and her career free throw percentage is just shy of 80%, having increased every year, uh, and sitting north of 87% the line this year. She's also rated as quite a good finisher every year by both CBD Analytics and Synergy. So there is you know reason to think that uh, what we're seeing this year in terms of her shooting in Austin is probably a little more representative of what she would be going forward than the couple down years she had uh, at BYU. Uh, she, in terms of play types, she's pretty versatile. She's rated out as a very good pick and roll handler, a cutter, an off-screen player, and a transition player over the course of her career for uh, Synergy. On the other side of the court, she has ranked by her stats as one of the best guard defensive playmakers, including ranking in the 96th and 97th percentiles in skill rate her last two years in Provo. Generally, she isn't quite as mid-range heavy as the uh, last two we talked about uh, on this episode. She's got a pretty even shot distribution, probably doesn't get to the rim as much as you would want uh, for a player who's not a knockdown shooter, but certainly ha has a decent uh, 
you know, doesn't rely on the mid-range too strongly. And we've certainly seen every time in Utah, like she she can get downhill when she's running, uh, when the ball's in her hand as a pick and roll player. And yeah, there is reason to think that, you know, where with uh, Grace Berger, we talked about it's going to be that you want to be in the exact same role with Les Taylor. You'd want to, it's a little bit of an offensive project changing the role with Shayla Gonzalez. She's, she's shown at times what you would, the role that you'd want her to be in. And do you think that role is like a secondary ball handler? Is that kind of kind of where you view her as? Yeah, I mean that's where I'm at with it. I think if you're if you have another combo guard in the lineup, then maybe you could try her at the one. She played effectively point guard for BYU in her time there, and she had you know she was really good uh, in terms of just the numbers of playmaking. She had a really good assist turnover ratio. But I mean, you can see at Texas, and actually, it gave us a really good opportunity in the beginning of the year to sort of see the limitations here. So Texas point guard Rory Harmon last year's um, Big 12 freshman of the year. This year, probably not going to win it, but certainly a contender for Big 12 player of the year. And Rory Harmon is their point guard. And she missed, I want to say the first like five or six games of the season or something. But Texas started off with some some real tricky games. They, the most notably, they played, um, they played UConn. I want to say in like their second game, third game of the season. And you could tell that basically Shaley does not have the juice just as a pure handler to really beat high press. Nick and Buell basically single-handedly shut down the entire Texas offense just by applying ball pressure to Shayla Gonzalez and just preventing her from getting into what Texas wants to do. The Some of that's on Texas. Uh, Vic Schaefer runs a dribble, a dribble drive offense and Shayla Gonzalez is 100% a pick-and-roll uh, offense player. She is absolutely not a dribble-drive offense player. So some of that's on him for just not adapting. But also, you know, once Rory Harmon came back, you could see how Shayla Gonzalez much more easily fit in to being able to start off the ball, get the ball, make some stuff happen after. And then on the defensive side of things, I think she has the size. She has some of the tools, the instincts that you kind of look for the smart side of things. But she has had some injuries in the past. And Mm -hmm. you think that's like, you think that's hampered her athleticism in any way? Like, I did not watch her. I did not watch much college basketball generally, but I did not watch her for sure. Um, Prior to her, I think, end of freshman year ACL tear, she still wears the brace uh, despite Mm -hmm. it being basically two years since she would have been cleared to take it off. Um, that's neither here nor there. That is just a statement on on her on her basketball aesthetic. In terms of that, so in terms of athleticism, I can't say one way or, or another. You know, I think I think offensively, you can tell that she has really good. Um, she, she she has quite solid burst. She has really good uh, lateral quickness, and she accelerates pretty well. But she doesn't have the same level of top speed that, like that. You know, Celeste Taylor is obviously really fast. She doesn't have like that level of top speed. And that's, I think, one of the reasons she needs a ball screen to be able to get downhill, despite having a well-controlled triple, despite having good burst. Um, and I think defensively, you can sort of see that come into play. She's not, like you said, she has the size, she flashes some of the skills. One of the reasons I'm I'm high on her overall, um, and I think high relative, relative to like the entire class, not relative to, you know, other first round prospects. Um, she's one of the lowest ranked that I've had of players that we have, you know, dove into um but one of the reasons i'm just i just like her generally is because you know she she can hold up at the point of attack she's not going to be good there i don't think or at least hasn't been she can hold up there enough but she's she's a really really good help defender like she has really like outstanding instincts especially for a guard for 
being able to navigate to uh, tagging the roller, to trapping the box, to helping up uh, and improvise rotations when teammates mess up. She really fills a lot of gaps there, and she really makes a lot of really good defense happen from the back side. That's one of the reasons her skill rate's so high. It's just because of the way she fills gaps and you know, just makes up for providing help defense. If you if you compare her with someone who is a point-of-attack defender, then you're really cooking with gas. I think it is a little tricky, though, to be a secondary ball handler and also a help uh, better at help than at the point-of-attack, because then what you're asking for is you're asking for her backcourt mate to be a point guard, who is also a point-of-attack defender, and we don't have too many of those in the W. And then I think what we're talking about with these three players in general is on one end, you have someone like Grace Berger, who I believe is more of like your lead guard. I think her floor is super high. She's kind of like, obviously she can still develop as a player, but you kind of know what she's going to be. On one on the other end, we have Celeste Taylor, who we kind of have an idea who she's going to be, but there's a lot of like holes in her game, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that's like to watch. And then with Shaylee, you're kind of like in the middle where on one end, like you say, the shooting. Shooting is a question, but she's taken some strides. You don't really say that's that shooting's gonna like. I don't think either of us expect her to become like some thirty-eight percent shooter. Um, nope. But, but I then, think I think she has enough juice as a driver, and she has and she has some really good moves going downhill. It's just tough to you know break those out at Texas the same way that she did at BYU, just with the just with the extent of the poor spacing you're working with in the dribble drive offense like you're expected to just get from the wing or get from the key to the rim you're not given and you're given no space you you, you have two bigs with you at basically all times i think i think mm-hmm. you're looking at someone who can ju- just sort of be an all-around scorer more than uh, and be well and good efficient enough from basically every spot that she's like in a that she could be an above average scorer um but certainly Certainly, she's not going to be just a spacer or like just a rim pressure threat. Yeah, so she has she's multifaceted at the guard position, and that's sort of what you look for, like in these yeah. draft picks. Outside of like, oh, your lead guard lottery pick, we don't have we don't have many of the, in this class besides J.C. Yeah. Sheldon. Um, so whenever you if you don't have that elite guard in the lottery, you're kind of just looking for players that are solid and you can actually trust to be out on the court and provide average to above average offense or an above average defense as well. Um, and then like, cause most teams, it kind of differs from the NBA side of things where you're running through your post players. Most of the times, that's yeah. kind of how you're generating your offense. So you're just looking for these players on the outside to just be spacers. And then also just, okay, can they drive? Can they uh, attack the rim? Can they set up their bigs and, that's kind of what Shaley can do. Like you said, with the pick and roll ball handling, like the cutting, those are situations where she can play off the star and also help set up a star. So I think in her situation, we are looking at probably someone that's like in the radar of like the second, the second round radar, late first round. If a team um, feels comfortable with her, because I think that's where where I have her. Yeah. yeah. I I have her as a, as my number 11 at this moment, I think for sure. And I think, you know, I think if the three is hitting at 34%, um, then she's someone very much worth a roster spot. I think if the three is hitting at 35 or 36%, then that then that is someone with a with a decently promising future, uh, at least at the hitting those numbers at the WNBA level, not necessarily at college. Um, the qualm for me 
or not the qualm, but like the 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 issue I anticipate is that I don't think there's a lot of teams who are willing to wait and see on a player if she shoots like if she's not shooting great from three in camp and in preseason, and they only have like teams only have like three preseason games. If she's not shooting well in those in that very small sample size, then I then I don't think given how the WNBA is set up, I don't think that teams are going to wait and see, and I think that is a shame given given a lot of the players that the lead, that teams have decided to continue rostering despite, you know, knowing what you're getting and you're not getting much. Mm-hmm. So thanks for making love with basketball. Your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every type of performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Fall game to game on Locked on NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, myself and M will dive into our scouting reports on South Carolina guard Zai Cook and then also Oregon guard India Rogers um, next week.